Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Good morning. Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council meeting. I'm so excited to see you guys today. Today, we are going to get together and share tips from our particular areas of marketing. And that's the main reason why we like to meet Instead of us trying to keep up with everything that's going in marketing, then we're able to get together and share what's going on in our particular area and our discipline of marketing. And that way we all stay up to speed on all these different areas of marketing and it helps us to be better for our clients. So today we are going to have our presenters share a four minute tip and then we'll have one minute after that for questions or comments and we'll have some time for discussion. We may have a little bit more time today since we're missing some people. So we may be able to get into some deeper discussions today, which is always fun. So when you share your tip today, please remember to say your name and your company and just let us know what your area of expertise is so that we can all get to know you. And also feel free to put your name and your contact information in the chat. I highly recommend you guys network with each other, get to know each other, go out for coffee. And another big part of this group is just having each other as resources. So as we get to know each other, we're able to refer business to each other. We're also able to support each other. If somebody needs to hire somebody and they need some help, then we can often be a resource for that. Or if you need a vendor or a recommendation for something, you know, reach out to this group because that's exactly why we are here. And um, if you guys want to submit a tip and present at a future meeting, you just go to SoGrowPR.com backslash submit. So that's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and then backslash submit. And then we review all those tips and let you know which meeting you're able to present at. And um, also remember to subscribe to our podcast, which is on the SoGrow PR membership website. We've got a link there and we've got all the past episodes and there's so much great information on there. And these meetings always become a podcast. So feel free to share that. If you want to take your particular tip or your video, feel free to use that for your own marketing. We're definitely happy to you know, send you whatever you need to do that. So, um, and sorry, just put the podcast link in the chat. So you guys definitely subscribe to that. And we also like to take a picture of everybody, but we want to just let you know that we're doing that so that you can smile. So I'll say one, two, three, and then we'll smile and take a quick picture. Okay, ready? One, two, three. All right, we'll do one more because I usually do something and close my eyes. All right, one, two, three. Awesome. We just like to remember who's here and also um, just when we promote it. So we are going to start off today with Virginia. Virginia, would you like to introduce yourself and share your tip? And if you want, I can go ahead and share your um, presentation. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so my name is Virginia Navajiger. I'm uh, actually originally from Mexico. I live here in Atlanta and my company is called Transformative Power. And what I do for a living is helping people with their marketing and a strategy. And I have a unique perspective uh, around it that is kind of a personal development uh, perspective and leadership um, aspect or 
you know, if you're a big organization also is that inner perspective, like how your talent and the gifts within your organization make a difference. Um, a lot of people in my career has asked me like, like how do you create like a powerful messaging? Like, you know, that's like a key question, right? And to me, a powerful messaging, yes, there is an art around the elements of a powerful messaging. However, there's also the value added of a powerful message that, that it's the underneath a powerful message. It's like the steps that need to be done before you actually create a message, you know? And I, I think a lot of people know, or some people know the art, you know, the ABCs of a powerful message, but a lot of people miss the secret ingredient of a powerful message. And that's uh, what this slide is about today. And the other day I was eating pizza, you know, <laughs> and then I got inspired. I was like, oh, wow, I can use the pizza analogy to really explain this concept, you know? Mm -hmm. So the secret ingredient, okay, you can see it from two perspectives, right? So if you are a founder, entrepreneur, you can, you can see the word you as you, like as you as a human being. If you are an organization, you can refer to the word you as your company and the team that works in your company and the products or services that are within your company. So, okay. So think about a pizza, right? Like it's so easy, right? Like, so you, if you think about a pizza and you think about the dough, okay? The dough is who you are. So that is the first strategic foundation of a core message. Who are you? And then the second aspect is Think about the sauce. Okay, what is the secret sauce? A lot of people think the secret sauce is the product and it's not. Like the secret sauce is your gifts and talents. So this could be the gifts and talents of an entrepreneur or founder and like their expertise, or it could be the gifts and talents of an organization, the group of talent and expertise that they have and what makes them unique to deliver that product or service in the marketplace. And the next thing is the ingredients. Okay, so what you put in it. So, um, so in the ingredients is like, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the chocolate Kit Kat. So, you know, you can have a Kit Kat, right? So it's a good sauce for them, right? It's a chocolate that has this little wafer inside of it. But then you can, you can in the ingredient section, you could have a vanilla version or you can have a pumpkin version so the ingredients basically is kind of a variable that you can use to add on to it and the next step is how you cut the pizza like how do you distribute the pizza uh, with your gifts and talents um, in the case of an entrepreneur and a founder it will be like how do you use those gifts and talents to bring that marketing in the world because okay you can have a messaging right and you can have the elements you can say who are you, what your expertise is, blah, blah, right? But then when it comes to selecting the marketing delivery or how you're going to deliver this, if somebody's super shy and then I tell them to go into a camera and talk their message, mm -hmm. they're going to be super scared. So they need to know how you distribute it. So maybe you need a YouTube video. And the same for a company, right? A company may be really technical, they need white papers. A company style may be really relational and fun. They may need fun content. Mm -hmm. So basically a secret ingredient is you, and then that's how you use um, your core essentials to build your message and also to decide how you distribute your message and what are the best ways to, to do this. So um, yeah, so if you have any questions around uh, my tip today, I'm here for you. Love it, Virginia. 
So two questions. Number one, did you do the drawing? Oh, you no, there? Um, a woman whose first name, yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes. Um, no, I didn't do it. Um, a, a company named called Visual Logic, who is led by Marta McGinney, uh, did it. She's an amazing visual uh, storyteller. I love it. So that was the first question. So the second question is, if your secret sauce is something that's a gift or a talent of the founder, as the company grows, does your secret sauce change or is the objective to try to take what that gift and talent is and now transfer it to the company and not just the person as the company gets beyond just the founder? Well, that's a really great question. Uh, the gift and talent in many ways, it isn't necessarily only like a, a personal characteristic. A lot of times the personal characteristic becomes a core uh, value of the company. So say the secret founder, say Mother Teresa, secret founder, compassionate, right? Then her brand becomes compassion and she helps heal, right? And then if her um, vision continues to, to happen and somebody continues to further that vision, they know compassion and care is key, right? Or if you think about Tom's and like how it became a multi-million dollar company and how Tom's started with basically Tom's, uh, like, you know, with like, um, telling the story and trying to help the kids, basically um, the idea of the vision was social entrepreneurship, right? So, so his core, I guess, of himself was to be a social entrepreneur. And then at the, in the, he translated into a value structure of social care and then, you know, the one-on-one -on -one method. So, um, so a lot of the gift and talent, it's essential qualities that then become essential values of the organization. And the problem is that a lot of times they're forgotten. So then you go to, you know, an ice cream shop and like the ice cream shop supposedly was a place of community and togetherness. And then now you go to the place and it's a cold place that doesn't even say hi. So it's not a community place, but their message says we are a community of togetherness and we love you when you enter the ice cream place. And it feels more cold than any other ice cream place, right? So that's a really great question. So I think as a founder, what a founder can think of is both, I think at the beginning, people buy the founder. And unfortunately, the founder forgets that people are buying the founder because their business is not big enough yet to trust the product. Then as the business evolves and then people already bought the founder, then they buy the consistency of the values within the founder and the organization. That makes sense. That's great. Mm -hmm. Thoughts or questions for Virginia? A, a comment rather than a question, but I, I want to highlight because I really like how you connect what is uh, what the sauce is, what the ingredients are with also the behavior with that last part, I suppose, the distribution of those gifts and talents, that exact example of the ice cream shop. Um, if they say that one of their gifts and talents is community driven, but that's not the experience people have then there's mm -hmm. a disconnect. So making sure that the um, that what is put on paper, so to speak, or what is said is also lived um, through that brand every day, that that brand is dynamic, basically, it's alive. Yeah, that's a very great point, uh, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think I think that's why it's important for people to realize, I think as marketers, we train a lot of people for the message. But I think we we sometimes forget to help them to remind them the behaviors that need to be uh, 
uh, or the cultural behaviors. So there's almost like a marketing cultural behavior versus organizational cultural behavior. And just reminding our customers of the marketing cultural behavior that we are expecting from them and also our e internal employees and our representatives of the brand. Because a message by itself is not a message unless it's being lived by the employees of the organization. It's true. We run into that and we've- Thank you. Something happened with a company that um, was working with a branding company and they the company was not willing to do the branding for this one product line. And so it just kind of happened and they just wanted to do the surface level of, hey, we want the pretty statement, but we don't want to do all the work underneath to figure out what that statement should be. And so they went forward and they have a pretty logo and they have a pretty statement. And now they're running into issues where they don't know who their audience is for this particular product. And it's causing a lot of different problems. And now that they've decided who their audience is a little bit more, it's now mismatched. <laughs> with the branding and the messaging and the imagery. And so it's this big mess because they weren't willing to do the work of actually figuring out the, the foundation of it before they did the pretty words and, and the, the visuals. So this is definitely critical and it happens even with big companies. This is a pretty big company and they just were like, no, we're just not going to do it. We just want something pretty. And, um, and their company is suffering for it. It's tough. Yeah, and it's so tough now too because we are in social media and in many ways companies have become people. And before you could put an ad and people are like, okay, well, pretty ad, whatever, you know. And then now people can see the inconsistencies of the brand so quickly, you know. So thank you for listening and your shares. And yeah, we appreciate it. Rebecca, would you like to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Yeah, thank you, Stephanie. I'm Rebecca Brizzi. I'm a management consultant and in particular to marketing, the work that I do is, is deep discovery. So uh, very pertinent to the conversation we were just having, some of those foundational things that would then, thinking of Virginia's pizza diagram, inform what goes on to that pizza. And one of the, or I should say two techniques that I use, and I'm sure a lot of us use, um, one is the five whys that I'm assuming we're all familiar with, an interrogative technique to understand deeper missions and goals, and the so what test. And these are on the surface very similar, uh, but the, I use different ones in different contexts. And in particular, in the context of marketing, marketing, of course, is to oversimplify taking a business and placing it in the correct position within its market. And that needs to consider a lot of external factors, clients, competition, environment, so external relationships. I find that the so what test is more effective in focusing one's attention on those external relationships. The whys risk becoming introspective. When people answer the question why, their starting point tends to be, why am I doing this thing? Why do I care? Why do I, why do I, why do I? And whereas the so what automatically focuses our attention on who cares, right? So what means who cares, which means why do the other people care? How do I relate to the external world? So by way of a sort of simple example, when working with a personal injury firm, for example, trying to get to their foundations, why did you start a personal injury firm? Because I care about getting people their, um, their proper reward. Why do you care about getting people their proper reward? Because I had an experience or somebody in my family had an experience. Why, why did, did that experience affect you? Now, this is important information, but you can see that we are talking about the attorney 
And when we need to get in the ingredients for that pizza, for example, we need to be looking at the world that the attorney serves. So once we start to say, you've started a personal injury firm, so what? They're going to answer something more to the effect of, so people get their proper reward. So people get the payment, so what? So they can pay their medical bills. So they can pay their medical bills, so what? So that they are made whole again and go back to, can go back to living their lives. And the conversation, and you can keep asking, so what, three to five times, the conversation is automatically about the things happening external to the firm. So the five whys and the so what test are both very effective, um, but there is a better context for one rather than the other. That's so good, Rebecca. I love that it's not asking so what one time because you get one answer and then you keep asking that. And so it's like you take those five whys and then you take the five so what's and keep digging until you get to that level because otherwise you stop and it's not quite there yet. So it's it's important to keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's it's one of the challenges, but it's also why it helps to work with external service providers such as myself and all of yourselves, because it's easier to do in conversation than to just do in one's head. It's so much easier to just stop at that first answer. Um, whereas having somebody who's you know somewhat annoyingly still challenging you, but forcing you to think through it. And you kind of know when you get there, right? There is that light bulb moment. You get that feeling of, okay, we've just said something really different or really pertinent. That was my next question is when do you know when you get there? Is there like, how do you know that you're on the cusp of it? And how do you know that you're like, yes, this is it. You know, as service providers, the challenge for us when we do this with our clients is to start at that end. Why am I asking these questions, right? So why are we going through the so what test at all? And so given the particular situation, so it, if um, it might be something like, um, let's say to put together a social media campaign, then the priorities are probably who are the clients, what are they talking about, where are they, and so how do we insert ourselves in that conversation? So knowing that that's the goal and maybe having that even written down, I'm, I'm big on visual cues. And so going through that so what until you know that that so what, the thing that you hear is answering the question you put on your visual cue. So that's one way to make it tangible so you can really say, okay, that's it. That's, that's the question that we're trying to answer. I love that. And then that gives you a springboard for all your content and everything comes yeah. back to that, answering that question, because that's what people are going to relate to. That's so good. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Um, any other thoughts, questions for Rebecca? It's really good. I, I love that process of like, why, 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 so what, so what? I mean, that's useful for writing as well, for blogging. I mean, it's yeah. wonderful for if you're coming up with story ideas for a client about, you know, um, it's great for campaigns. Like that's just a really good process. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's an important point that it works on the micro as well as the macro level. So exactly. It can be good for one single blog post as well as for the foundations of a whole campaign. That's so yes. true. That's so true. Awesome. Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself and share your tip today? Yes. Yeah, so I'm Sarah Stewart. Um, I'm an account manager with Sogar PR and I'm the social media expert for the Sogar Marketing Council. Um, I've got a tip today, so I'm going to share my screen. So three social strategies to boost your online sales. Um, this kind of, this tip sort of came up um, with some different things going on, projects that I was working on, and I just threw some simple things together. Three is always easy to remember, so I, I went with that number, but there is a larger article um, for this information. It was a blog from Hootsuite, and it's got like eight different tips. So I shared that article at the end, 
And there's all kinds of things in there that you can go in and see for boosting online sales. So customer testimonials, um, that third-party proof, <clears throat> this is the basis of so much of online sales today. Um, whether it's Google reviews, you know, checking out a business, checking out, uh, checking out a product, you know, the second that you see something and you're interested in it, you want to verify, is it legit? What do other people think about it? You know, what are people saying about it? Has it been featured in the media? All that type of stuff. So how can you feature that through social media and to boost online sales? Are you leveraging, you know, your Facebook or, you know, LinkedIn? I was looking through my LinkedIn profile the other day and realized that, you know, I had a couple of um, recommendations and things like that, but I hadn't given this many back recently. So going in there to your LinkedIn profile and maybe updating that, taking a look at it, check it. Um, for Facebook, you can do the reviews, um, encourage your customers to do the reviews. Uh, it's really good to come up with a process for this. Um, you know, have a, um, some emails ready to go out. You can schedule some things so that, you know, after a client has a good experience, hey, you know, can you answer these questions about your experience? Can you give me, you know, a few comments about your experience? However you feel like would be the best way to do that. Um, you know, if they can do the review, if you can plug in the review, figure out the best way so that you can be building that audience and getting that bulk of reviews. Um, so very important customer reviews, third-party proof as much as you can get it. Offer fewer choices. We are so overloaded. Oh my goodness, so many choices. Everywhere we look um, on websites, everyone wants to put everything out there. Um, more is more, more is more, less is more. Um, so, you know, instead of having so many products or so many services on your website, really focus on, you know, what are those best products, especially on those first couple of pages. Um, make sure things are really clean and organized so that it makes it easy. If people are overloaded with so many choices, sometimes they'll just say, I'll come back to it later and they won't make that decision. But if you give them, you know, some clear options, you know, keep it simple, not too complicated. They're more likely to make that order, make that, you know, buy that product, buy that service. All right. And prioritize customer experience. So um, customer experience, everything from they're going to the website. Does it look clean and polished? Can I find the things that I need? Um, you know, information on the business, contact information, resources, a list of services, um, the product page, all that type of stuff. You know, you want to have that as clean as possible, but also you want to have a way for them to reach out and get help when they need it. Um, a lot of times, a lot of bigger companies, especially, are outsourcing their customer service. And so, to be honest, it's not always the best service that they're getting because they may have a simple problem, but you know that person is just reading back a script to them. Um, so having, you know, making sure that you have some type of instant messaging or, you know, social media is so often where people go when they're at their wits end. You know, hitting someone up on their Facebook page or on Twitter, you know, posting publicly about it. Make sure that you're paying attention to those comments and you're responding to it because that's a wonderful opportunity to keep a customer from you know leaving your business or 
you know, leaving a bad review or that type of thing, and then turning what could have been a problem into an incredible experience. Um, a, a story, my husband was dealing with um, cable company and he had, you know, this ongoing issue and he'd been, you know, on the phone with people for days, you know, trying to resolve it. He got on Twitter, you know, he tweeted and the person was like, so it pretty much take $150 to fix this problem and keep you, you know, as a customer. And he was, he was like pretty much, and they were able to send him on the spot, you know, a credit for 150 to his account, everything was fixed. And I was like, that is how social media is supposed to work. That is fabulous customer experience. So, you know, another way, um, a lot of the dashboards for managing social media have an inbox <clears throat> where you can check all your customer comments and things like that and instant messaging. Make sure that whoever is managing your social media is checking those and responding to them quickly. You know, even if it's, hey, we got your comment, you know, I'm referring you to the right person. Just want to make sure that you're staying up on that so that people feel like they're being heard and hopefully that their problem is, hopefully it's getting solved. If it's not getting solved, it's on the way to getting solved. So my name is Sarah Stewart and that's my tip for today. Does anyone have any questions? When is the best moment in a relationship with a client to ask for a testimonial? Oh, um, I mean, I, I think after it's, you know, either you've completed a service, if it's an ongoing client, I think once you've completed like a good service or two good services or things like that, it's good to ask for it. I mean, we need, we need to ask for it. I think it's a completely normal and natural thing. And I, I think sometimes we feel a little uncomfortable, like, oh, but, you know, customers that are happy with your service are happy to give you a comment. And if anything, it builds the relationship because they feel like, oh, I'm more connected to this person. Um, it's self-fulfilling. They're, you know, talking about the good experience. They're, yeah. you know, reminiscing about it and resonating on it and things like that. And then it leads to a deeper relationship. Same with the, I, it was interesting. I was going through my LinkedIn because some of the links were broken and I was like, oh my goodness, and some different things. And I started actually looking at it and realized, you know, oh, I have these reviews and I haven't given any reviews, you know, for us mm -hmm. to stay up on those, those type of, you know, third party recommendations and things like that is so important. Thank you. Sometimes when people send an email and response, like let's say you did fix a problem or something like that. I think those responses often are testimonials in disguise. And so there are times where I'll reply back to someone. And if they're you know so excited that, hey, we got this article in, yay, great work. I'll say, may I use that as a testimonial and you know, ask them, would you like to add anything or anything that, is there anything else you'd like to say? But often the testimonials can sometimes just pop up in your inbox and you just have to ask. And just say, oh, thank you for your feedback. Can I use this as a testimonial? And a lot of people will let you do that. You're so right. Good point. Yep. And then also having the system in place, like, um, you know, after someone's done, depending on the type of business it is, but someone had a service, you know, set up those automated responses for them to get an email, maybe with just a quick survey with three questions, you know, would you rate your service? Would you rate, you know, whatever? Do you have any comments? Um, we've all experienced those. 
uh, you know, whether it's like an Airbnb or a healthcare provider or something like that. And, you know, and most of the time we don't mind doing it and giving back because you're thinking about, you know, I'm trying to inform me if I was out there trying to decide on this, um, you know, service, would it be worth it? Sure. So I also love what you said about less is more. I am trying to preemptively buy a washing machine and dryer because I know mine's at the end of its life. And it has been months and months and months. And I, I picked one out and I was ready to push the button and realize the size was wrong. And I feel like I'm so overwhelmed that I don't do it because there are 12,000 washers and dryers out there. And I hate, hate doing the research and shopping. And I'm so afraid it's going to die. And that's, what's keeping me from doing it. I want, here are three great choices that work. And I don't want to have to go to like multiple companies and multiple websites and look at all the things. It's so overwhelming. So I I totally agree with you. The more that you can make that, if somebody just came to me, was like, Hey, here's three great washing machines. I'd be like, that one, please. Yep. And that's the, I mean, it, it goes back to the reviews too. In some ways we're looking for, can someone help me make this decision, yes. please? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. That's so helpful, especially to know, like not this one, because you people said mm-hmm. this, yep. that narrows it down. That's so helpful. Awesome. Yep. Right. Well, thank you, Sarah. That's great. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, I'll stop my share. Let's see. There we go. Okay, so I will share a tip today as well. And my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is Sogro Public Relations and we help companies to become a force that cannot be ignored by their customers and also the media. And so today I want to talk about how do you create content that is appealing to editors that editors actually want to publish. So there are a couple of different tools that I use for this. And I'm going to share those with you guys today and they can help you guys to come up with great content that is really interesting for editors. So the first tool I would like to share with you guys is a website called Answer the Public. And this is a great starting point to figure out the basic questions that people are searching for. And you type in a couple keywords here. So if it's Um, something about like business to business, public relations or um, packaging or whatever it might be that you're interested in. You type in your words here. And then what you get is a map that shows you all of the who, what, why, where's and the different questions that people are asking around this. So this is a great place if you want to do blog content and you want to answer those basic questions to have them come up in searches. This is great for that. But what I like to do is for articles, you have to take it a step deeper. The editor's not going to publish something about what is B2B public relations. They're just, they want something that's more in depth. They want something that's new. And so this is a great starting point for that. So if you are looking at any of these topics, you can take this as, okay, people are searching for these different things. Maybe they're searching for what are the four steps of public relations. Then you take that a step deeper and maybe it's how do you measure the four steps of public relations or anything that would take it to a different category or a step deeper and just really use this as a jumping off point. So that is one tool. Um, And the next tool is to search in Google and you take your same keywords that you're searching 
And then you look down at the section where it says people also ask. And again, these are great places to look at. So if you're typing in content marketing B2B, people also ask, you know, um, how can content marketing improve B2B? And they have all these different questions in here. And you can take those as starting points to go a step deeper and figure out what's not being said. So these are the common questions that are being asked. What's the next layer that I can answer that's not coming up, that's not being said, that's my area of expertise. And the next tip is to look and see what the different publications are covering. Most publications publish an editorial calendar, and now is the time to start looking for those. October, November, December, they start putting out their editorial calendars for the following year. And in these editorial calendars, which are found usually in the advertising section of a website, it's usually in the media kit, it's buried in the media kit, and they show you the topics that they are going to cover. So this particular publication, Packaging World, is covering food and beverage in January. So you take that as your starting point, food and beverage. What can you say about food and beverage? They have sustainability as their big category as well. So you can look at that. What are some sustainable topics that you can talk about within the food and beverage? Take it to your level of expertise. What's a question you can answer and figure out how you can take that broad topic and bring it into something that fits in that category, but that is a step deeper. And so you can look at all these different topics and also they have categories on websites too. So if they may have like a workforce category, they may have a technology category. And so you start to put all these things together and it leads to these topics that you know the editor is looking for content on these topics because they put them as categories on their website. So they're always looking for technology. They're always looking for workforce or whatever those big headings are. And you just need to be able to, to narrow it down and get really deep into a particular topic under that category. Another trick is to look and see if the publication has an editor's picks part of their website. So this is a section of the website where the editors collect what they consider the best content, the content that they prefer, the content that they favor. And you can get a sense of what does this editor like? So you take these different top topics and you can even use these headings as a template. So this particular one is a, um, it's the um, health facilities management publication. And so they have a article designs to boost employee satisfaction. So you can look at that and think, how can I write about that? How can I use that heading as a template to put in my content? And you can look and see, do they want how-to articles? Are they looking for top 10 lists? Are they looking for headlines that are questions that create intrigue and draw people in? And so you basically get the information that you need to figure out the topics that you can write about. So I recommend that you take some of these basic questions and these basic starting points and then you take it, it's almost like what you were saying with the so what question. You have to keep digging and keep going layers and layers deeper because editors want new content. So if you can Google something and find it, it's already been covered and they don't want to cover it again. So you have to figure out what's out there, what can I Google, and then what's the next story I can write. And it even may be something like there's an article that covers this topic 
what would be the follow-up article to that? Or you could do something where somebody creates an article that's a specific viewpoint. What would be the opposing viewpoint of that? And if that's not been written about, then that would be a great topic to, to cover. So I was just really taking it a step deeper because that's what editors want. They don't want basic surface level content. They want something that's going to be more in depth. So wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for coming today. It is so great to learn from you guys. And again, I recommend that you guys network with each other, you know, um, contact each other if you guys need help. And our next meeting is November. I looked at this today. Sarah, is it the six? Let's see, November, I think it's the 15th. So it's yes. the Thursday of the month. Yeah. So it's November 15th. So definitely invite your marketing colleagues and friends. See if there's at least one person you can invite to join us next month. And we do go in November and December. We don't take those months off because everybody slows down during those months. And then they jump into January and January is slow and February is slow. And they're like, what happened? Why is it slow? So we keep going just to keep the networking going and um, just to stay ahead of things. So thank you all so much for coming. And I look forward to seeing you guys in November. Thank you. Good to see you all. Thanks for the tips. Sounds good. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time. Keep growing.